Are there any Chinese authors equally loved and respected inside and outside of the People's Republic? Well, today we're looking at one potential candidate. I'm Angus Stewart, and you're listening to episode 9 of the Translated Chinese Fiction Podcast. But it's not just me. I've got a co-host. It's Claire Hao, a.k.a. Hao Shentong. So save me the effort. Claire, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hello, Angus, and I'm Claire, and uh, my name is, my full name is Hao Chentong. Uh, I used to be an alumni at Edmund Napier University, and now I'm working in the publishing. Mm, and that's how we know each other, because um, was it last year you were on the Edinburgh Napier Masters? Uh, I think it was a graduate in 2014. Oh, so, okay. So five years ago. Oh, does that feel like a lifetime ago now? Yeah, maybe not that much, but still five years. It's a, it's a lot of thing, lot of things uh, I experienced and I learned. So um, I'm, I still miss my um, university. So I'm, I'm glad to know you. Yeah. Do you miss the teachers? Ah, uh, yes. Um, uh, my program leader at that moment was uh, Derek Allen and also I I know Avro very well and also at the end, uh, my teacher was uh, Dave was he um was he is did he enjoy annoying students a lot when you were there <laughs> yes <laughs> he's always trying to drive us mad um so Claire where can we find you online uh, I use my Twitter uh, my uh, username is tone826, and my Instagram account is chentongpub, it's a C-H-E-N-T-O-N-G-P-U-B. We'll be coming back to yourself, but in the meantime, we've got two things to do, one small thing, one big thing. The small thing is the plugs, the big thing is our story for today. So let's get these plugs out of the way. Um, listeners, if you want to support the show, i.e. if you want to help pay for the soundcloud fee i've paid to get this podcast hosted there's two places you can go there's a wee website called buy me a coffee translated chinese fiction podcast has got a page on there if you want to give a a one-off donation and buy me a proverbial coffee if you'd like to give a recurring donation in exchange for some bonus content you can go to our patreon the translated chinese fiction podcasts patreon page both of those sites will be linked in the uh, show notes And the good news is that after this episode, we will have our first piece of bonus content for Patreon. Me and uh, Claire are going to have a little bonus chat about our favourite Chinese books. So if you want to hear that, you'll have to give us a wee something on the Patreon. And of course, if you enjoy the show, if you've not subscribed yet, subscribe on your favourite podcast provider. Tell your friends, tell your teachers, tell your pet monkey, because um, the more you spread the word, the more listeners we get, the more worthwhile the show is. So all that aside, our story for today is one you might have heard of, either uh, in its original incarnation or its film adaptation. It's Lost Caution. It's by Aileen Chang, or as she's known by her Chinese name, Zhang Ailing will probably be using both names in the podcast. So just remember, Aileen Chang, Zhang Ailing, it's exactly the same person. Uh, the edition of the story that I read was the Penguin Pocket Classics edition. 
which contained that short story and four others, all translated by different translators. Uh, the sad story is I managed to lose that book on a plane very recently, so I don't have the book in front of me because I'm an idiot. Uh, the <laughs> translation in that book uh, was from 2007. It's by Julia Lovell. That 2007 translation was timed in line with the release of the film adaptation by uh, Ang Lee, or as he's known in China, Li An. Um, both the English translation of the story and the film's English name is Lost Caution. So, Claire, you've got, if I'm not mistaken, both an English and a Chinese, or the original Chinese version of the story just to hand with you. So can you tell me where did you pick those up from? What editions have you got? Uh, I I have I have my Chinese version of Lost in Caution when I was in the college, and I I read this book earlier, uh, maybe a few years earlier than the film um, officially released, and mm. uh, that moment that book is only less than ten thousand words, I think. Uh, but it's really a good writing and very classical Elin Zhang. And I got mm. English edition recently. It's from the um, the Amazon, just the digital one, because uh, the print one, um, I still order and it's still on the way. So Ah, right. Cool. And had you heard a lot about Elin Zhang before you read the book, um, going up through your early years or the schools or through your friends? Yes, I actually the first time I, I know about uh, Elin Zhang is from my friend's blog and she was the literature student in the university at that moment. I know I was that I study in the college. Um, we, we, we find out that there's a, a lot of connections we have between art and literature and we, find, uh, we think Elin Zhang is very typical um, uh, person to uh, present that connection. Uh, so uh, the first time I know Elin Zhang is from her blog, she reads a, a review about about her uh, her book, uh, uh, Last Caution. So mm. uh, that makes me decided to read about that book. That would be very interesting. Okay. And I believe this was talked about a little bit on, well, I can't call it my rival podcast because they're a lot more successful, <laughs> but the one other big Chinese literature podcast out there, I think it's just called the Chinese Literature Podcast, they were talking about how Aileen Chang is an author who has respect and fame both in the Western English-speaking world and in her home country of China. So I'm curious to ask you, either before or after you studied in Scotland, did a lot of your pals or your people you know in China talk about Zhang Hailing or is she a little bit niche compared to some other authors you hear people talk about? I consider Elin Zhang is still a very niche. Um, it has very specific readers in the UK um, or in, in my uh, Western friends mm. uh, because um, she her works particularly present the, some, the Chinese perspective about life and uh, especially her present and um, her insight about love. Um, maybe uh, we can, that's what we do now, because we can build up more uh, connections about how she consider love and about mm -hmm. women and the connection between men and women. That is the human nature thing, which will deliver 
the, to the world readers and make them feel uh, the same or this yeah simultaneously because mm. mm-hmm. that kind of thing's relevant everywhere doesn't matter who you are um <laughs> and how about in china do you find with people you know in china she's popular uh, yes uh elin is very popular um uh she was born in Shanghai, and even about she's she's well known uh, across the whole nation, uh, especially uh, that is some her well known work like Love in the Fallen City. Uh, Last Caution is only one of them, and uh, another uh, one is White Roses and and Red Roses. I think you you know about that, mm-hmm. um, and her lots of works and. Uh, adapted to the other f- form of art, like the drama. Um, there's a very successful drama about white roses and red roses. Uh, that is very particular story uh, describe um, a man dilemma in into a two women and two different types of women, and how they reverse after you got one of them. So that's very interesting standing mm. ground. Yeah. Another thing that the two guys on the Chinese literature podcast mentioned is that so in in China uh, Zhang Ailing is right up there with a lot of the other really celebrated authors but something she doesn't have that a lot of other the other authors did is a museum there's no Zhang Ailing museum so I'm guessing if there ever was one it would probably be in Shanghai but can you can you imagine that ever happening or what it would look like or do you think she's not the right kind of author for that I think, and I think it ever curate, curated into some exhibition in Shanghai mm. was held in Shanghai maybe many years ago, and there's a lot of media like television interview about the original story uh, of Zhang Ailing. They even to um, interview her. Uh, residents, old residents in Shanghai, oh. and uh, or, or in Hong Kong, because uh, Ellen Zhang is the alumni of Hong Kong University, as mm-hmm. you know, and um, so I think there will be there will be the another even the maybe the larger uh, exhibition happened, and I think uh, the best it would be very great for me to have this um, museum so that well, people will know, know her better from even from the world. I do know <laughs> there are two, there's two spots in Shanghai where you can do a kind of um, Zhang Ailing or Lust Caution pilgrimage. There's, I think there's an old cafe bar she used to go to that's still open. I think it's somewhere near Jing'an Temple. Um, I never went there, stupidly, when I was living in Shanghai. And the other one, I found out about it when I was researching for this episode. So the character in this story, um, Jiazhi, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Miss Jiazhi, yes. she was based on a real-life spy who did some similar things. I forget that lady's name. And um, uh, Yeah, her name is Zheng Pingru. Yeah, That's, Ping, yeah. Uh, yes. Zheng Pingru, and yeah. um, uh, the, the man's name is Ding Mo Chun. That mm-hmm. is very um, famous. Um, uh, how to say uh, <laughs> That's a there's an accident to kill someone. Assessing, I think that is the yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the accident is a very shocked, uh, shocking accident happened at, at that at that time. So, yeah. 
that is the, the inspiration from where the inspiration from mm-hmm. well if if you're ever in shanghai uh, yourself or the listeners i know there's a statue to jung pingru in one of the parks and it it's got a little plaque i believe it's all in chinese um and it says here's the lady who was the inspiration for lost caution the book and the film um, that so, yes, that's a very bitter story and a tragedy yeah. story, but or, or what I think that is what what I think um, the greatness of um, Ellen Zhang because she she's not um uh like a simply repeat the story she just yeah. present um the true character inside about this and put a little person like an ordinary person into a very big his historical background and mm-hmm. to tell us um, that which her lots of works presented to us that is the, well, the one's life's helplessness just yeah. we can't control our fate and we can't control lots of things and there's an enormous thing manipulate us and wish we yeah. even don't know it's our emotions if only we could get rid of them that would be very helpful yes i think um even though um when you read uh, last caution that is a, a, a simple story and even the tone in that story is very calm and 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 mild but yeah. it's very that but if you read uh, carefully cautiously you will find out that is very extremely emotional emotional work mm-hmm. um the lucky is uh, an lee the director that film is uh, enlarged that part and expand that part which present to us this very great work yeah i definitely got that feeling from julia lovell's translation it was um really simple sentences well beautiful sentences really simple but the writing style was like you said totally calm but um and if you were casually reading you might just slip through it but if you when i focused a little harder i was like oh my goodness this is actually quite intense if you read between the lines yes yes uh, i think that is um I, I like this translator very much as well because she's very good at like sil- selecting and um uh, narrating, uh, narrating. Is that? Can, did I say it correctly? Uh, narrating, narrating. Narrating. Yes, she. Um, the narrating of the story, um, precisely. And even, and he will give you the implication, give readers implication about some signal. He uh, was specifically hidden by Ellen Zhang. So that mm. is what I think, and the. What what this uh, translator fantastic about? On the topic of translation, so I don't know if it was herself or movie studios who picked the translation of the name uh, mm-hmm. to from is it Se Jie to Lost Se Caution? Se Jie, yes. to Lost Caution. Do you think that's a good translation? Mm-hmm. Um, because Se Jie is the original name. That's um, that's like the warning you because there's a dangerous love it just it's not like the because love was supposed to be sweet or some romantic but this not uh, not that kind of love it's a need to be warned and you you'd better to keep it draw the line from it so 
uh, that's the original meaning of it. Right. And then yeah, I think that both translation um, makes perfect sense. <laughs> mm. Although when when I see the title, um, the English title, I mean, it makes me think this is going to be a story about lust and caution. So not being careful and being careful, you could say. But you're telling me it's more like, look out, there's going to be lots of, you know, strong emotional feelings, therefore be careful. And if you wanted to get that feeling, it would be a really stupid title, but you could call it caution, exclamation mark, lust. <laughs> that would look awful. So you probably wouldn't want to do that. Yes, I, I think that's a, another interesting part is about this is um, uh, when you read the novel, you will realize uh, both men and women, Jiaji and Mister, they will realize this this relationship can be dangerous, but they still proceed it. You see, yeah. that's uh, that's the last cause. But um, it even though you feel it's caution, but you can do nothing about that because that's what we call love, right? Yeah, that's human beings, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've got a little paragraph here about Julia Lovell. Because when I picked up the book, um, I found there was no translator's note, no introduction, which would make sense because my edition was five different stories, five different translators. I'm guessing Penguin just spent money buying the rights from different places, so they weren't involved with the authors or translators. Um, so I, yeah. So anyway, I went looking online. I just quickly found out a little bit about Julia Lovell. So she is a British person. She's a professor of Chinese history and literature in London, and she's translated four books, I put four? Let's count them anyway. Um, four different mm -hmm. Chinese authors, four different pieces of uh, fiction. So there's a collection of Lu Xun stories for Penguin. I think it's called The the True Story of Q and other stories. So um, there's that. There's Yan Lian Ke's History of Ma Chiao. Oh, no, sorry. There's History of Ma Chiao by Xiao Gong, Serve the People by Yan Lian Ke, and then another collection of short stories by Zhu Wen. So Lost in Caution kind of sits as the odd one out, in a way, because it's itself a novella or a short story. So she's got all those. Um, she's got some of her own history and political writing about China published as books, and then a few articles in places like The, the Times. So... I, had you heard of Julia Lovell before um, before getting ready for this podcast or before reading Lost in Caution? Um, I I know her name. I know this is an excellent and well-known uh, translator um, who is specifically good at Chinese uh, works. Uh, but I haven't got the time to read her books before uh, Lost Caution. Lost Caution is the first work I read translated by her. So mm. I will, mm, that was brilliant work. Yeah, I hadn't, well, I thought I hadn't seen her name before, but I realized when I saw her list of her own um, nonfiction books, one of them, it was called uh, The Great Wall, colon, China Against the World. That's in my local library branch, the um, Edinburgh Central Library in the China section. But yeah, apart from that, I hadn't heard of her. I'd heard of... I think minus, I'm not sure about Zhu Wen, but all those other authors she's translated, I've heard of them. I guess they're all very big names, at least in translated Chinese fiction. We're probably going to mm -hmm. do. I'll probably, well, I've already done Lu Xun. I'll probably do some of the others on the show at some point. But yeah, that's Julia Lovell. Um, so 
we've talked about Julia Lovell. More importantly, who is Aileen Chang? Who is Zhang Ailin? So I'll leave this one to you, Claire. Who is she? Who or who is she to you? Um, I think she she's she's one of my she's one of my favorite um, female authors, and I think her her work I think her work is very smart and she have a particular insight about men and women and love uh, i think um maybe she's too smart and her cleverness may also lead to her own misfortune um mm. not only just in her tragedy uh, the stories uh, but also about her personal life her love story with hu lan cheng and i um i think uh, she, she, the other works, and and there's a common thing in her works is she precisely she's very good at um, uh, looking out the his uh, hypocritical side of human nature. Um, that is why she all her works you can think that uh, it, it it did he will present love is so sweet, but it. it you can't be too optimistic about them. Um, that is maybe uh, there's some similar thing about the woman, uh, even modern woman, um, to what we think about love, um, because we um, we're independent and uh, well educated, and um, but we sometimes we we can't control our um, personal love life, and mm -hmm. we. Um, and it's difficult to handle and, and difficult to cope with the, some feelings inside us, inside okay. of us. So that's that's what you identify her with. I did a little reading about her kind of life story, and I'll talk about the the latter part of it first because the, the the early part of her life links into this story. I would say so. I learned, okay. I, well, I I learned when I first started looking into translated Chinese fiction that even today, or perhaps especially today, there's a bit of a tendency for some Chinese writers, especially those who leave the country, to switch from writing in Chinese to English once they get international recognition. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what Aileen Chang ended up doing. I guess she'd always had a bit of a link to the Western world. She'd been writing some things in English when she was younger. Apparently her mother chose her English name the same time she chose her Chinese name, so it's debatable which one is the the um, the first name. But anyway, um, she uh, after the revolution, she or just before the revolution, I think she left China. I think I forget if she went to Taiwan or America first, but she ended up in America as an American mm. citizen and had a go at writing some semi-autobiographical yeah. English books, which unfortunately didn't get published till after she died. But she did mm -hmm. um, she did translate some Chinese fiction which into English, which did get published. But yeah, it seems a little bit of an unfair, at least in her literary career, seems a little bit unfair that she, well, she did get to be a successful writing kind of genius in China, and she probably deserved to continue being recognized as an older lady but unfortunately just didn't happen uh, so that's mm -hmm. that's the latter part of her life the early mm -hmm. part so what i remember from my reading is that she has a few things more than more than one or two things in common with the main character of lust caution uh, jia zhi they both went off to hong kong to study 
um, yeah. uh, when the Japanese invasion of China and Shanghai was going on. And they both had some similar romantic connections. Um, I think you briefly mentioned those. Can you tell us a wee bit about about that? Mm, can you can you repeat the, the the last sentence? So she she um she had a relationship in her life which mm-hmm. was a little bit similar to the relationship Jia Zhi gets into. She was she was she was married to a guy who was working with the the puppet government at the time. Is that right? Uh, yes, uh, yes, that's what Hu Lancheng um, did, and uh, uh, exactly the same uh, in the last question, and uh, it's based on the true story about uh, the the as I said, Zheng Pingru and the Ding Mozun story, but is basically like presents herself, and that reflects somehow her personal life. There's another common uh, with an. Uh, uh, there's another connection between Elin Zhang and uh, Jia Zhi is um, you can see, you can read from the novel that Jia Zhi was abandoned by her dad and her dad took her uh, brother to the UK, to Britain and mm-hmm. just abandoned her into, in, left her. In. She's basically abandoned and maybe that's, um, that's the key point, the key element to make her decide to accept this mission, to to involve into this 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 work, you see, um, Elin Zhang has the same. She's she's uh, she was the lonely person as well, and she, uh, as I said, pessimistic, pessimistic, person as well. Mm. So I I think that makes her uh, kind of uh, feeling just feel no roots and uh, didn't it couldn't be able to settle at, at that one place uh, that's that that makes her to just relocate to another city again and again yeah well i guess in the modern age people like us who've moved around quite a bit maybe <laughs> feel some of her pain i know i i feel a bit rootless these days yeah getting to the point. i think so. yeah because yeah. I'm near the end of my publishing course and facing probably not 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 the same problem as international students like you face, mm. but a, a similar one where I'm looking. I'm, gosh, it's getting very personal now, but I might have to chase my career down south in England and the overseas students on the course. Maybe you remember this are now they're mm. torn between staying and fighting for the working permit and the visa or going back to their home countries. So yeah, rootlessness, yeah. it's not a, that's a problem that's not going away. In fact, as traveling gets easier, that's maybe a more common problem. Um, yeah, I, I spent lots of, uh, after graduation from Napier, I spent lots of time um, to find a proper work for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you need to set up a, pers- a specific target, and uh, because uh, rice manager is always what I want to do, and I experienced I experienced uh, a few works before I found out uh, I landed at a job as a rice manager. Um, so uh, even though it's difficult, but I think it's totally worthy uh, if you try hard and stick with it. I think you will, you will get um, repaid. <laughs> mm. Well, it's it's a really cool place to be, and it's very closely tied to what the podcast's about—the whole cultural exchange. Because so this wasn't something I knew before I was on my course, and maybe a thing that wouldn't occur to our listeners. But 
a lot of publishing is about rights and it's about selling books between basically different countries and different languages. So although it doesn't, the name doesn't sound super exciting, what you're doing is really exciting because it's exchanging cultures around the world. Exactly. And I, I think maybe that's the meaning of the project the project podcast you are doing now it is about exchange the culture and mm. uh, to present the, to make make people um, know better about Chinese literature um, I as we discussed before we're trying to um, to separate our readers our audiences from the film because film is far more um, famous than this novel, but um, just because they have the the very fundamental stru story structure that makes that film successful. That's one of one of the critical elements. So um, what we want to do is to explore the meaning of the literature about the book. So how it is inspired other areas uh, about us. Actually, I'm just trying to get famous on this podcast. That's my mission. But <laughs> not really. Um, yes, yes, you will, you will make it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's um, it's good research for my dissertation anyway. So what are you it, laughing at? <laughs> um, I'm laughing at. I'm I'm just wondering if I'll ever. Hello. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? So after that talk about people traveling the world, um, I just wanted to tell the story this novel made on its journey to publication in Chinese and English. So there's some information online that I found that suggests that Aileen Zhang may have begun writing a version of the story in English first, before Chinese, because a Hong Kong magazine called Muse, I think it was, released an English manuscript of this story in 2008. Its English name was Spiring. But in any case, officially, mm -hmm. the Chinese version of Lust Caution uh, was begun in the 1950s. But Aileen Chang was a bit of a perfectionist. She spent something like two decades redrafting it. And it finally got published in the late 70s over in Taiwan. And I believe, Claire, you were able to find the name of that publisher. Is that right? Yes. Uh, that I think that newspaper called Zhonghua Shibao is publishing Taiwan. China Times, right? Yes, China Times. Okay, so that's the history of the book. Um, now we're going to have a wee talk about the history behind the story. So it was set during what some of us would know as the Chinese part of World War II, but what might be known in China as the Chinese war against the Japanese invasion. So it's set in Shanghai at that time. And our villain, if you want to call him that, Mr. Yi, that our heroes are trying to kill, he's not Japanese. So Claire, maybe you could tell us who, who are our heroes trying to bring down and why? Mm -hmm. Um, I think we can start from the story of that um, the particular um, historical period um, that was after Xinhai Revolution. 
is quite well known to the world, and then that is one of the contributor. He used to be the important contributor, but he chose to collaborate with Japan to set up a puppy government.、Um, a puppet or a puppy? Sorry. <laughs> puppet. Yeah, puppet. Puppet. <laughs> Puppet government until he died,、um, uh, just shortly after the end of the Second World War.、Um, I think he's、uh, this makes made him becomes the most hate hate hatred person in 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 China because he's kind of tra traitor for for our.、Um, Our revolution and the, the war of resistance. So、um, that is the government.、Uh, Mr. Yi served for is he's working under the Wang Jingwei. That's the the background of of that story. And、um, Mr. Yi is is just like less less senior、uh, than Mr. Wang. And he's very important. I think、uh, his most responsibility is to arrest the people who、uh, fight against this government. And then he just、uh, the same similar. He's he's the traitor as well. That is why these students wants to、uh, wanted to kill him.、Mm -hmm. And we should just clarify here, Wang Jingwei. He's a real historical figure. Uh, Mr. Yi is a creation, fictional creation that's part of the story. But、um, there, we were discussing earlier、um, mm -hmm. in a little bit of recording that a certain podcast host forgot to hit the record button for.、Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that that、uh, there's a little bit of a parallel between Mr. Yi and Wang Jingwei because in their youth it seems like they were optimistic, cheerful people, and.、Yep. Now something's gone wrong, so I I learned that when I when I was researching Wang Jingwei because I'd never heard of him before I read the story, so I thought, oh, I need to Google this man. Like like you said, Claire, he was involved in China's first revolution that launched the Republic of China and was、yeah. kind of a revolutionary figure. Yeah. But things turned sour for him when Japan invaded, and his kind of approach was to try and seek peace. Avoid further confrontation, which is, you know, no one can say peace is a bad idea, but it led him to basically give up to the Japanese and run a government that did what the Japanese told it to do, whilst the real Chinese government had been chased off to Chongqing. Which is why in the story, I think when Nanjing government is mentioned, that's the puppet government. The Chongqing government, that's the kind of the last. The last of the rebels against the Japanese. Is that about accurate?、Uh, I think that's basically the、uh, the correct. But、um, I think、uh, Alin Zhang wants to present to the audiences uh, he uh, that is the、uh, the implication for audiences that is that、uh, a man is growing the journey of a man's growing up. You see,、um, Mr. E. Uh, he has some connection with、uh, Wang Jingwei, and、uh, he they they used to be young. They've been as you said, passionate for the future of a revolution, and they have a faith. They had a faith in what they 
what it did. And then the, the things went wrong and then the life was tough. So, and but the, at the early stage is pretty much similar to what the students act uh, in this story because they, uh, they just like the early face of Mr. E. So she wants, uh, Ellen Zhang wants to uh, present this 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 interesting life's journey. Just we all expected things uh, differently at the very beginning, and um, what we what we got after uh, well over growing up, we got the things we we want we do not want. Mm. And you all said the it's the way a... around. Yeah, you said a man's life. Do you think the same applies to ladies, or do you think men are so more I, likely to end up compromised? Yes, uh, just like um, to um, describe the men's different faces. Mm. Maybe the first face is the the man, like the uh, uh, the young guy in in the novel, just judges mm. student who lead the. The drama, the theater group, and the second phase uh, is the another phase in the, the in the revolution. That's the the people who trained Jiajie becomes to uh, become becomes a, a spy, and the yeah. third phase is the Mister E, um, because Mister E is uh, uh, is older than all the other figures, and he is most sophisticated, and this person from Eileen Zhang's writing is very complicated. What, what I want to ask is, do you think that would apply to the journey a woman goes through life as well as a man? Or do you think this is a specifically male thing or a specifically male thing from the time Eileen Zhang was writing? I just want to say it's, uh, it's the because it's a fem- um, just not a feminism novel, but mm. it's from the female angle. But it's a very interesting to write about a man because man is not dominant in the in this novel. It mostly is about how judges think about uh, the the issue or how how to think about to cope the problem. But it's very interesting to present how uh, the different faces of a man and uh, how they treat a woman <laughs> that's good that's maybe yeah yes good answer mm. so last question about the history of the story so as i said when i when i first read this story i hadn't seen the name wang jing wang jingwei before although i suppose i had because i'd seen the film a few years before but mm-hmm. as as we've talked about um in our aborted recording um I, I watched it after dinner with my dad, after a couple of beers, had a couple more beers whilst I was watching, and that didn't help me kind of follow the historical context. It took me a while to realize that Mr. Yi was also Chinese, because I hadn't heard of the puppet government before. I thought he was Japanese, although I think I, I realized it eventually. Um, <laughs> but so the question I want to ask you is, do you think a Western or non-Asian reader would benefit from a little introduction to the story, maybe from the translator or from the publisher? Or do you think it works on its own as a universal human drama about love and compromising and all these things? I think it will, it will, it will help people to get more involved into this um, history and, and 
get further understanding about what happened in whatever happened in the past. Um, this story, this history, particularly in China, is um, is very special. Um, we, 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 I think it is part of revolution. Is part mm. of our our countries developing because um, how they cope with the people and how they act in this um, background is just uh, just like I think Eileen Zhang wanted to describe. It's just like the students in this novel. It's just like the the revolutionist early stage. Um, which presents immature and and helpless and um, aimless. So that that's what Eileen Zhang wants to present: the common feeling at that age, yeah. uh, the how people feel about government, how they feel, how they feel about the ordinary life. Because where um, Eileen Zhang is good at putting the small people. Like the ordinary people into this large historical background, and then telling them uh, just present the people really helpless, and they couldn't be able to control their fate. As I said to you before,、um, when I was slightly drunk and watching the film, I found myself getting very <laughs> frustrated at how ineffective our student heroes were. Maybe because、um, the <laughs> actors were perhaps a little bit older in appearance than the characters were, but、um, <laughs> I think I was basically missing the point: is that it's not really about heroes achieving a political goal; it's about fallible,、mm-hmm. vulnerable human beings kind of making some very easy, you know, very easy human mistakes. Well,、um, the human nature is delicate, and love is more delicate. So that's what Eileen Zhang wants to. That's how. This work,、um, uh, pre- great in 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 this work. In, <laughs> this is this is what we call it. What、oh. we think about this this, what happened? <laughs> <laughs>、um, so to explain to our listeners who heard some screaming, I live in very central Edinburgh in an in a area where a lot of <laughs> tourists come through, and a lot of Edinburgh tourists have like a gothic or spooky angle. So this is something I hear like every week. A tour group comes in, and then one of the people working for the tour company runs out with a bell and goes ah, and then everyone screams. So, just <laughs> some tourism happening outside my window. I I I didn't live in the central Edinburgh. I live in the in the morning side. It's quite close to our、oh, campus.、Yeah. Right. So we've got three little quotes from our story, and Claire had the really smart idea. To do little bilingual excerpts,、um, partly to let you guys who've seen the film but not read read the book hear the actual words of the story, so you can separate the two, but also so you can feel or be more aware that this is a work of translation, and especially for any of our listeners who can who have a good understanding of Chinese, this should be extra fun for you guys. 陪欢场女子买东西，她是老手了。执意旁随侍，总使人不注意他。此刻的微微笑也丝毫不带讽刺性，不过有点悲哀。他的侧影迎着台灯，目光下视，睫毛像米色的鹅翅，歇落在瘦瘦的面颊上。在他看来，是一种温柔怜惜的神情。这个人是真爱我的，他突然想，心下
空然一生，若有。Okay, so thank you for that reading, Claire. Here's the same thing in English. He was an old hand at this, taking his paramour shopping, ministering to their whims, retreating into the background while they made their choices. But there was, she noted again, no cynicism in his smile just then, only sadness. He sat in silhouette against the lamp, seemingly sunk into an attitude of tenderly affectionate contemplation. His downcast eyelashes tinged the dull cream of moth's wings. As they rested on his gaunt cheeks, he really loves me. She thought. Inside, she felt a raw tremor of shock, then a vague sense of loss. So yeah, if um if anyone ever looks at me like Jaja looks at Mr. Yi, I know I'm doing good, because it's a really nice description. 只有现在，紧张的拉长到永恒的这一刹那间，这室内小阳台上一灯盈然。映衬着楼下门窗上一片白色的天光，有着印度人在旁边，只有更觉得是他们俩在灯下单独相对，又密切又拘束，还从来没有过。但是就连此刻，他也再也不会想到他爱不爱他，而是。Only now, as this last tense moment of calm stretched infinitely out on this cramped balcony. The artificial brightness of its lamplight, contra- contrasting grubbily with the pale sky visible through the door and windows downstairs, could she permit herself to relax and inquire into her own feelings? Somehow, the nearby presence of the Indian bent over his writing desk only intensified her sense of being entirely alone with her lover. But now was not the moment to ask herself whether she loved him. Instead, she needed to, and then the sentence cuts. So it's just before she saves Mr. Yi's life and dooms her own life. And the next little excerpt is after Jiajie and all her comrades have been killed, and we're kind of looking at things from Mr. Yi's perspective. Hmm. He does not like the situation. He knows how to deal with it. After he dies, he feels that his image will always comfort him, comfort him. 虽然他恨他，他最后对他的感情强烈到是什么，强烈到是什么感情都不相干了，只是有感情。他们是原始的猎人与猎物的关系，虎与苍的关系，最终极的战友。他这才生使他的人死，使他的。Oh, I think it. The connection went funny on the very last Chinese character there. So it was ghost, right? Anyway, here is that last、uh, paragraph translated into English, Julia Lovell's version. He was not optimistic about the way the war was going, and he had no idea how it would turn out for him. But now that he had enjoyed the love of a beautiful woman, he could die happy, without regret. He could feel her shadow forever near him, comforting him. Even though she had hated him at the end, she had at least felt something. And now he possessed her utterly, primitively, as a hunter does his quarry, a tiger his kill. Alive, her body belonged to him. Dead, she was his ghost. So, pretty dark stuff. It's weird because on, on one hand, we can see that he's quite sad and upset and worried. The end of his life's probably coming near. 
On the other hand, he's really enjoying thinking about how he like owns this woman and the fact she's dead. He owns her forever. So it makes me have really mixed feelings about Mr. Yi. Because he seems um, all, to me, he seems almost like a pervert here. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. Mm. I, I think and that's a very important scene happened, I've written in this novel that is buying the, the ring. Uh, just we discussed earlier about the ring is very uh, important symbol. Uh, in this mm -hmm. in in this novel, um, the tricky thing is uh, is actually the clue hidden by Ailing Zhang in this novel because the name of the of the lady is Jiazhi, and Jiazhi is same pronounced at the same pronunciation as Shanghai uh, language as ring is exactly the same pronunciation, so. That's the very uh, interesting thing, and um, mm. for this for this one, and uh, I think at the very beginning of this novel, they describe about a playing mahjong. Uh, so Angus, do you, uh, do you know the something about the games of mahjong? I've played a simplified version of it with some Chinese friends, um, so I know it's a little bitty like. Is it like, oh, I forget. It's It's got a little bit in common with um, a few Western card games where you've got to match the numbers or the suits and then lay them down as a set. But I only have that very super, superficial understanding. If you put, yes. if you put Mahjong in front of me, I would, I would have forgotten how to play it. I think that's uh, very important to... Uh, to present the connection between uh, Yi Tai Tai and Miss, Mrs. Yi, that's Miss, Mr. Yi's wife, and then and Jiazhi is uh, uh, she she acts the role as uh, the fake Mrs. Mai, which uh, she highly active. She was highly highly active in this high society. Women they play, they mm. drink tea, and they played mahjong, and they discussed about. What happens now uh, uh, at the situation uh, during the war? So that's from even though that's from women's angle, but that is the opportunity that Jiazhi collecting the information from from them. And uh, I think there's a there's interesting detail about while playing mahjong is um, the people the way that they may be difficult for Western people to understand about this, how this game uh, work, because this game, um, you, you need to, that is the, uh, you need to uh, fulfill some certain objective. And so one of them is you need to collect set of tiles from others. Yeah. Can you understand that? And then mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you turn it means eat, and uh -huh. you have to collect the same um, the same suit three uh, with the three tiles, right? A run of three tiles in the same yeah. suit. But the pong is identical tiles you collect, and the pong is always the priority than chu. For example, if four players, you uh, two of us uh, involved in this game, if I want to pong to have this identical tires which you want to eat. If I want this badge, you can't have it, you lose it. So 
mm, pun is basically a, a, aggressive action in this in this game. So, um, Elin Zhang described a little bit about this game to describe Judge um, Judge's status within this woman's because she still remains at a low level of this structure of this mm. uh, social connection, social network, social networks. Can you understand that? I can. I think partly because I was um, I was kind of what's the word primed to read Mahjong scenes in that way because the last film I saw Mahjong scene I don't know if you saw the film uh, Crazy Rich Asians did you see that uh, I think I did it. I, I heard of it I haven't seen it but oh. there's uh, lots of my western friends said that it was very funny it was it was good um, but the kind of the big dramatic showdown it's between two ladies a junior and a senior and they have mm. their showdown in a Mahjong game and it's it was definitely i think the scene could work in two ways if you understand how the game works then you could see the kind of hidden level but mm -hmm. even if you couldn't you could tell the whole thing was about status and the fact that the younger lady is able to play a winning hand shows that she's now on the level of the older lady but i don't think yeah. it's it's not an impossible game for a westerner to understand because it's got the same thing western card games do where you've got a hand of cards and you've got to kind of keep them quiet and play psychological mind games with the other players but the details <laughs> you were saying about pung and shi yeah it's um that's the level that someone like me still doesn't quite get because i've not played the game much and uh, that is also about they comparing each other's ring you see right uh, the, the size of their diamond that is um that's a kind of uh um, what we call call it that's just the the human nature of a woman. <laughs> um, they always compete with each other for with the material and um, the uh, what they call the physical material. Uh, material, material. Yeah, they, yes, they will compete against material, and then Jaji uh, because she she was she used to be she just student. Uh, she she's the youngest, so she she has um even the film they represent uh, uh the Ali arranged the Jaju wearing the smallest one on that table. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of material things, a thing I noticed was the description of the decoration, the jewelry, the clothes, which kind of made it really clear these are rich people, but especially the clothes. And I think I saw when I was doing research for the episode. Some people have taken note that um, Alien Chang really makes an effort to describe what clothes people are wearing. And um, in the film, you could see they've done it as well. And in just, yep. I know that just in her own personal life, Alien Chang was always wearing fashionable clothes. She was quite known for her cheap house, and they're on display in the film. And there's, I'm pretty sure, cheap house get described in. A, quite a lot of detail in the story as well. Is that something that jumps out at you in the same jumps out at you in the same way? Um, it's not particularly for all the women, but it, mm. this, that is the the basic expectation about women um, to show people they want to themselves more elegant and uh, just. Um, Alin Zhang has the reputation as being 
very proud. Uh, she's a proud lady. She's being, um, she acts like very t- talented. So that just makes her uh, lonely and somehow isolated with the average people and ordinary people. Um, but since you mentioned about the fashion uh, in this in this novel, uh, because uh, that's another background is Ellen Zhang tries to try try to link Hong Kong and Shanghai. That's two cities. Right. Again, yes, because she used to um, describe the 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 women in Hong Kong before and in in her previous works. And Shanghai is more likely the that at that at that time that uh, was the international city as well. So mm-hmm. that gathering all the different ideas, all the different uh, perspectives, different uh, public figures. So uh, that's uh, maybe she wants to present another thing to to uh, to the audience. Her reading that's another because uh, he, she's very good at describing all the details happened in that age that that's why i like her mm-hmm. a little piece of background detail i noticed in the book and i guess also in it's it's there in the film so we meet some indian characters there's mention of german cafes and it's mentioned i think just once in the story that all in the film as well the apartments that used to have the british and the americans and maybe the french are all mm-hmm. empty because those guys have been taken off to prisons by the Japanese at this point. But it's never yeah. focused on a lot. It's just one little piece of the, the picture that's only going to be there if you can spot it. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, she described in narrated narrated everything practically, uh, how people connected and how things how things went, how, who, who came over. That's she how she will she will um, state it very clearly about um, use these details to describe people's character. Mm. So fast forwarding slightly, or moving on to the next question rather. So we've we've ended up, whether we wanted to or not, we've ended up mentioning the film version quite a lot. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you've seen the film. I watched the film as preparation for the episode just after I read the story. Um, how long ago was the last time you watched the movie version of Lust Caution? Uh, I think just right about our podcast. I think a week ago. Oh, right. okay. Oh, okay. I just, I just remember the first one, first time is, I think, just in the year that the film released. So I was reading just today, actually, um, that the film got not an amazing reaction in the West. Um, I think it didn't get a lot of attention and didn't get a lot of amazing reviews. But in China, Hong Kong and Taiwan, some some people who reviewed it and some members of the general public loved it. And other reviewers and other members of the public were really unhappy with it. Um, mm. And there's may- maybe some reasons for that. Um, do you Have you noticed similar opinions among people you've met or do you think reactions have calmed down a bit over the years i think uh ali from my opinion he he was just trying to enlarge the um the mental feeling the feeling of the of the original novel because this as i said is uh, ellen jung rated very 
um, calm and in a mild manner, and but this is hidden with a very emotion, with a strong emotion. Only just trying to to progress people's relationship, just Mr. Mr. E and Mrs. Uh, my, just my Tai Tai, uh, what we call Jia Zhi, because they want to, um, the, uh, as you can say, their relationship got involved over the three sex scenes showing mm. uh, presented to us. The first one was very, um, you know, untrust, untrusted her, and just basically to to explore her, like whether or not she had a weapon on her. On, on her body, right? And right. just not, it is really unkind. And second time is a build up the deeper connection with each other because they're building up the trust. And then the third one is, is, um, is pres- just simply present the, the two, in- deliver the two information to us. The first is Mr. E, um, started trust, trusting. Uh, started trusting Jiajie because she uh, permitted her to cover her eyes. Remember, use the pillow. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the second information was that Jiajie felt her fallen in relationship completely, and she couldn't control herself, and she couldn't be able to be rescued from this trap, and she cried. Remember, at, at that scene. So, I think that. Film perfect, perfectly presented how she felt about how how Eileen Zhang was trying to convey to the audiences, even at that age, that's the last, the real last caution. So mm-hmm. that makes makes that film um, being awarded at many um, country. Yeah, I think it, it's. Um... It's a an interesting thing that most of the film had that same very calm tone, um, but there are a few explosive scenes. Uh, so there's the three sex scenes. I think it's just, is it the first one, especially. That's an absolutely crazy scene. It's so intense. Um, but also there's the bit where the guy gets stabbed, the guy who's mm-hmm. going to inform on them. And there's nothing mm-hmm. as wild as that in the story because it's all in the backstory, and yet it's it fits. It's like he's um, it almost feels like An Lee or whoever wrote the script had psychic powers and just reached back into the past into Aileen Chang's mind, and I don't know because it all fits so well, but it doesn't like none uh, of it feels funniest, out of place. Uh, the funny thing is, is uh, there's no erotic. Uh, description in the original novel at all. Yeah. The only uh, implication about uh, they had relationship or they had sex is Jiajie described about uh, being just saying was with him when she was with him. That's it. Just no mm-hmm. further um, uh, talk and description description about this. I I simply think maybe. Uh, it's just not for me to talk about this film being judged and being criticized, but I think all the works, um, if they presented truth completely, um, honestly to the audiences about how um, figures, how the um, how the novels, or how the characters feeling, 
um, it all it will lead these consequences because because human nature is complicated. It somehow yeah. will reach out to some people's mind and and synchronize with it, right? Yeah, well, I guess, like you said, everything they added or everything that was added fit the the characters. All the things they did, even like the when you see the kind of angry side of Mister Yi in the mm -hmm. extra things in the film, you can kind of feel a little bit of that dark side of him, especially at the end when he's having his strange dark yeah. thoughts. Yes, as you said, I think in our last. Um, previously talked uh, because you you watch you read lots of spy novels and <laughs> just like double seven films but this one Jaji is obviously is obviously is not a well-trained spy and she just a really immatured and uh, <laughs> the spy and she she didn't present she didn't uh, she she just consider herself completely uh, as as a Mrs. Mai, and instead of distracting herself from this 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 role, mm -hmm. that's uh, she just get attached too much. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, identities and names in the film, something I noticed was so I I downloaded the film. Um, don't tell the police. Downloaded it illegally. <laughs> Um, and the no, please don't mention about in this podcast. <laughs> I the file came with subtitles, and the subtitles were really good, but there was one thing that were, made them different from the the penguin version I was reading. So mm -hmm. I I'm guess I don't know how Julia. I'm I'm guessing Julia Lovell when she translated the work, she kept the characters' names as Pinyin. Mandarin names, but I'm not certain because in the film, everyone's name was rendered in Cantonese. Um, yes. So Mr. Yi was Y E E. Yi. Um, yes, Y E Y E E. That's Cantonese. Yeah. So, and yeah, what's do you know Jiajie's Cantonese name? Yeah, I think I got and is Gaji. Gaji, right. I would need to look back to verify all that, but it was it was just something I noticed. Um, and as someone who always lived in Mandarin speaking China, I was, I was furious. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really furious. Um, I don't know. People are angry for a reason, but uh, you can't guarantee all the people angry for the right reason, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't really <laughs> angry. Um, it, was, it was interesting anyway. Um, so I think that's all the notes I've got on the story. Is there anything I've missed that you'd like to say about Lost Caution before we move along? I think this is pretty much what we want to talk. I will check a little bit. So um, we know each other through the Edinburgh Napier publishing course, and it's led you in the fullness of time an awesome job as a rights manager um, but what I want to ask is what led you to study publishing in the first place? Well I originally loved reading when I was uh, um, not not very young but uh, in a teenager right um, mm -hmm. my dad uh, is a book lover he, gets, he got lots of amazing physical books 
um, at at her sh at his shelf bookshelf, and um, I was in highly encouraged to explore all the answers from the book, and then um, I think is is good for me is um, my dad will explain what is uh, an interpret for me about what is meaning when I was um, at early age. Oh, that's um, great. That is the inspiration about I continue. That's my first very early connection with books. And then I got mm. opportunity when I study in, um, in the, uh, the drama in my postgraduate in China. Uh, I got my second year uh, permission to go to the broad to study another degree. So I was encouraged by my uh, mentor to to evaluate what 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 is suitable for me to study, and then he suggested at that moment is publishing. But magazine publishing at that time uh, was my favorite because there's a journalism course in got involved in that in in that in that um, program. So that's so I chose. Um, magazine publishing uh, to and and this is Edinburgh Napier University as that is uh, the the capital city in Scotland. So I think it may be the center and, and easier for me to uh, to uh, collaborate and network in maybe to attend different events in that city. That is the original intention to choose Edinburgh and Edinburgh Napier University and um, uh, when I got into that course I realized that was very intensive and practical course uh, but uh, there's only two Chinese students at that moment in our course so mm. it's, um, and it's, it's very difficult at, at the very beginning because you, you at the first three months, I could understand completely. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then it got better uh, with the help of um, Derek and Avro and and Dave and and Dave McClunsky. Did I did I pronounce correctly? Um, um, so yeah, there's Avro, um, Derek, Dave McCloskey, and then there's um, Alistair McCleary. Are you thinking of him? I. Yes, I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking ah, of him. Right. Uh, that was that was very uh, supportive, and it just across the whole, uh, the, the whole progress, whole process of my study, and that was um, give me a lot of help, and so I I pick up quite quickly. Mm, so mm. that is how I miss about Edinburgh. There's a lot of fond memories there. You see, mm. we have uh, we have now got zero Chinese students this year. We've got one Asian student. She's Indian. Okay. But so, I'm glad that the course and the teachers were so um, accommodating and welcoming. That's great. Yes, that that's great. That's just how I love UK and how I love this country because I I I think you can see my um, profile description. That is Edinburgh. I, I miss Edinburgh forever and always. Um, that is uh, the wonders of this city. And just um, uh, just more than my uh, my just profession studied, but also there's a lot of friendships developed in that city. Oh man, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm yeah, glad you that, should. 
I'm glad Edinburgh was so good to you. That's awesome. Um, yes, so yes, indeed. What I'd like to ask is, what what led you to your current rights managing job? Was it um, an interesting journey? Uh, you mean how I get this job, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I originally uh, started to do. I just, I, I started uh, my career um, as a journalist, a publishing journalist, while I studied in the UK, and then um, I got introduced the, to me to to the, to do the digital rights manager in the largest e-books suppliers. I was doing the digital rights clearance. Um, we uh, promote the digital format to the print. Um, journals. I was in charge of Shanghai at that moment wow. um, to collaborate all the uh, all the uh, print rights, get digital distribution at that time. And then uh, six months after, and then they transferred me to Beijing as a headquarter. That's how I built up the connection with Beijing. So that was very. Uh, and then when I uh, um, I um, after arrival in Beijing, I got introduced to to this this place, and then I I, I know my current boss, uh, the so I become her uh, rights manager and attend the different book fairs. So that's um, it's not easy, but I think uh, luckily uh, I I finally got it. So I'm really glad I got what I like to do. Yeah, well done. I'm extremely jealous. Uh, don't be. I think you will be more excellent in this role because I I only can speak English, but you can speak lots of European language. This oh no! Is how I... I I really can't. <laughs> I speak a little. I speak even less German than I speak Chinese, and that's it. Oh, Chinese is a fantastic visa. It's difficult for you, right? Uh, it's tricky, but the grammar is easy. German grammar is a nightmare. <laughs> right. Yes. 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 It is. Should. Mm. 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 So. Should. Should. Mm-hmm. Genau, as they say in Germany. Genau. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So one thing I've been trying to kind of learn, but haven't really found any good ways to do so, is um, find out if there's di- any really big differences between. The uh, literature that makes it from Chinese into English through translation and gets read by English speakers versus the Chinese books and authors that people inside China read. So, this is a really big, vague question. But um, what do you think are the most popular kinds of fiction, or some common things about fiction that's really popular with Chinese readers? Is it anything special? You mean the literature, or there's all kinds of all uh, categories of fi- fiction. fiction? So stories, yeah. Okay, I think sci- scientific fiction is quite famous now. Right. Um, yes, because uh, do you know Santi? Of course, and, yeah. Yes, Santi used after three, that awarded. Uh, yes, and that is the film, the original novel called A Wandering Earth. Yeah. And then that's a successful yeah. adaptation to the film. Called uh, the same name, um, that is, the film didn't present um, quite su- successfully because the um, 
uh, it didn't present uh, that, that that is ignored lots of details and very yeah. important details in that novel. But I, yeah. that makes novel more interesting. Uh, I, I like that scientific one. Yeah, I saw the film on Netflix. It got an international Netflix release recently, and yeah, I was um, mm. pretty unimpressed. But the, mm, yes. I've got I've got the collection of short stories, and yeah, Leo Sushin, he's he's so cool. Well, there may be some knowledge of the physics physics not quite um, logical, but it's still attractive enough for the other the general reader to read. Um, just as me. <laughs> um, so, are you? Have you enjoyed, or have you heard about any other newer Chinese sci-fi writers recently? Because mm -hmm. Liu Cixin, he's kind of like the big, the big boss now. Uh, yes, Liu Cixin, and he got criticism, a uh, lot of criticism now as well. Uh, but and both um, the compliment and the criticism, well. Uh, others, I think you can explore on the Douban read, Douban Yuedu, because they're gathering some excellent readers right in, um, uh, right on that platform. And then, well, some people will collect some unscientific category, as a scientific fiction category is still quite famous there. So I will send you the link afterwards. Oh, um, thank you. Yes, it is, it's called Douban Yuedu, that's Douban Read, and um, that's, that's a good way to find a good author as well. And another way, I think, um, uh, I haven't, I, I haven't read, I haven't got time to read lots of scientific fictions, but I will do it uh, in next month, which I will be on my uh, annual leave. So I will uh. keep that. <laughs> I will have that time to read. I plan to read that, that during my holiday. So the next mm -hmm. question. So I've asked you which um, which kind of books people like to read in China, but here's a more specific question: Which kind of um, books from overseas do you think Chinese people like to read? So things that have been translated from other languages into English. What do you think are some really popular types of foreign novels or foreign fiction in China? No, um, uh, it's, a, it's a complicated question mm. because uh, it can't because there's too many books. Uh, we we buy the, the translation, try, I mean the trans, uh, the foreign books translated yeah. into Chinese, right? Mm. And the, I mean the category specifically in fact. Sorry. Is mm. then you mean the category is a you you refer to the to the fiction, fiction. literature fiction yeah because I remember literature fiction in Chinese bookshops I would see quite a lot of American or foreign books about business or science and I would see yes. like I would see foreign classics older foreign books but newer ones I don't remember but maybe it was just because i couldn't read the book covers because they were in chinese mm. is it is it's difficult for me as well to i to identify uh its original book because uh when we um, buy the rice uh afterwards we may change the book cover to reflect the 
the the the, the local market. You see, you have to change、right. to apply to apply to to、so, um, Chinese as aesthetic. So,、mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to know. But if you want to find a specific book, I will I will let you know which publisher would be. Right. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for that. Well, it's a good.、Uh, I hope I will、um, co-host maybe in some other interesting subject. But this one, I I really um, I'm really glad to be to talk over here. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much. So that's about all we're going to talk about today. Thank you all so much for listening. Um. I found a little essay on the translator Julia Lovell.、Uh, there's a link to the PDF where you can read that in the show notes. It's about her translation of、uh, Han Shaogong's novel, not of、um, Lost Caution, but it's a fun little nugget for you to enjoy. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, there's also links in the show notes to my Buy Me a Coffee site and the Patreon, where there's the little bonus chat with Claire. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram at @trchfic t r c h f i c. That's where you'll find out all the news about the show and what episodes coming up and whatnot. And I've also got a Twitter you can find me on. It's called Angus at Angus Likes Books.、Uh, Claire, can you just remind us one more time、uh, where can we find you online? Yes,、uh, my Twitter's user's name is t o n e a two six. And、uh, my inter- inter- Instagram's user's name is C H E N T L N G P U B Chen Tong Pub. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This is normally where I'd, I'd say what the next episode is going to be, but actually I've got no idea what the next episode is going to be. So、um, <laughs> just get on the Instagram, <laughs> and you'll find out there at some point. Anyway, thank you for listening, and Tai. 再见 ，Thank you，Thank you， 安哥，安哥，拜。OK， 拜拜。让我乐一点，让我乐一点，不要让遗忘留恋在心间。